This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, whatever we ask in prayer, believing that we have received it, it will be ours. We believe that prayer changes everything. And so we look forward to praying with you. Be blessed. I feel God responding to our corporate cry. You say this, settle down. Throw your weight around. Somebody say, settle down. But you gotta say it out of your own mouth. Say it, say it. down on our hearts and just throw your weight around Lord God purify us Father God Lord sanctify us Lord Jesus we recognize Father God that we are wretched of our own self we can do nothing and the more we you reveal yourself to us this the more we understand that we are wretched and we do need you Father we need you desperately. We need you because we are weak. We need you because we know not what to do. We need your will. We need your direction. We need your light in the midst of the darkness. And this morning, as we can stand in hope, recognizing, Father God, you did give us that hope. The hope of Jesus Christ. And every day, every second of the day, I recognize more and more that I need you, Lord. We need to hold on to you. We don't need to lose perspective with all the different things in this world, the different worldly pleasures. You need this, you need a house, you need a car, you have a house, you you have a car, you need a pool, you need a jet, you need all these things are insignificant before you. And every day we recognize that we need you more. We need you to renew our hearts. Secondly, because the truth is our hearts are desperately wicked. And so we need you to come in, Holy Spirit, and to just show us our different areas, Lord God, that we need to submit to you, O oh God. 
We need you to throw your weight around, to settle down on our hearts. That, Lord, we may not continue to go like it is well. Lord, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We thank you for the opportunity to glorify your name. We thank you, Lord God, that you are working in our hearts. Lord God, that we will never leave here the same. Each week as we come here, Lord God, you refine us and purify us. You're doing it on a daily basis. But as we hear the word and as we worship you, Lord, you show us more. And this I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And I praise you, King Jesus, and magnify your name. Worthy are you, Lord, to be praised. Good morning, good morning. Happy first Sunday, everybody. Now we're going to get we're going to enter into the time of worship with our tithes and offering. But before we get there, I want to read two scriptures. And this is just to encourage those of us who are giving and who wants to understand the reason why we give. Because God is a good God. Amen? Amen. So the scripture is... 2 Corinthians 9. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to read the verses, not in numerical sequence. So, you know, sometimes they say that the, you, you must um, bless the person that who don't have. But um, what we realize, the Lord is always in, interested in a seed. And then, then I found a scripture that, that mentioned that he will give seed to the sower. So here it goes. 2 Corinthians 9.10 Now he will supply seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and he will enlarge the harvest of the righteous. So you notice he said he will supply seed to the sower. And if that person is not supplying, uh, is not a, a sower, um, the Lord really don't waste his, um, his resources. He will not supply the seed to somebody who is not a sower. Just like the idea, um, he will always give us gifts, but it is for us to know when to give back unto him. Because he's really looking for a valid seed and a seed that he also will provide. So it is this time that he will also give us the increase because, you know, we, we work hard and um, we want to make sure anything that we invest in, um, there is a return. And same thing with the Lord. You know that if you're, if you're a business person and you invest in, in a project, um, you expect a return on the investment. And the Lord wants to give us, we're actually partnering with him. 
he will supply the seed and then we will be faithful in working the seal the seed um, we have to find out what the seed is because the seed will always be that thing that is given us and it didn't even mention money it said seed so we need to pray and find out what that seed is and as we go to verse 8 it says and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work so we see that he wants to make us abounding in every good work and at all times and then he says in verse 7 each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, 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 not under any force and not under any compul compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. So as we prepare our, our items to give to the Lord, our encouragement to you is. God is not forcing you to give what he has already blessed you with. This is a, a sacred moment that we come and it's a way that we actually worship the Lord. So we're going to play a, a quick selection in which to give you time to prepare and pray about the seed that he has blessed you with. Sigma. my 
Yes, Lord, here is our worship. You can actually picture people bringing their offering to the Lord individually and said, Lord, here is the worship. And it's so awesome when the Lord receives our worship. So, Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to give back to you a portion in which you have blessed us with. So, Lord, here is our worship. The sweat, the toil, the increase, the seed, the provision, the gifts, the talents, the things that you have blessed us with that we are bringing back to you. So, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give back to you in this way. Indeed, as we continue to worship, this is a worship unto you. A sacred moment, a sacred time to reflect on your provision. So, Lord, we thank you. And for those who are online who feel the option to give unto, to give unto the Lord, not unto man, you can present that to our PayPal account, which is newhorizonmin at gmail.com. And it's also our Zelle account, which is a Chase account, which is the same email address, newhorizonmin at gmail.com. As we continue, prepare to hear the word of the Lord and be blessed. Sisters and brothers, good morning. Those who are listening on the airwaves, good morning, good morning, good morning. This morning, we begin our four-week series on the Advent season with a celebration where we look forward to the coming of Christ as well as we celebrate the, the birth of Jesus. We look forward in a way that causes us to hope because when we hope, we know in whom we believe and we know in whom we trust. And we know, we, we wait with expectation for what is to come. And so this morning as we, we prepare our hearts to hear what the Lord is saying, I just want you to bow your heads with me and so we can pray. Father, we give you thanks for another day that you have made. We choose this morning, Lord, to rejoice and be glad. We choose this morning, Lord, to honor you because you're, you are worthy of all our praise. 
We choose this morning, Lord, to focus our attention on you and to fix our gaze on you because we need to hear from you. We need to be in your presence. Settle down on us this morning. Settle down on us this morning, Lord, and where there is distractions in our lives and things that are distracting us even now in our thought life, I pray that you will settle down on us and cause us to focus and to fix our gaze on you. We expectantly wait for you this morning, God. We expectantly watch for you this morning. And we pray, God, that as we, we, we hear your word, Lord, we pray that it will accomplish that which you have sent it to accomplish, that our hearts will be transformed, that our minds will be set and fixed on you, and that we will lift our eyes in hope, looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The text I'll be looking at this morning is Psalm 123. We have moved away from Acts for a little while. For the next four weeks, we'll not be looking at Acts. And this morning, the topic of the message is expectantly watching and waiting. When someone expectantly watch and wait, it's as if they are expecting something to happen and they, 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 it's just a matter of time. So you're waiting because you, you know that something is going to happen and you're watching because you want to see the fulfillment of that which is to happen. So this morning, uh, the, the, the word that the Lord is saying to us, he wants us to, to watch with expectation. He wants us to wait with expectation because those who, who, who hope, hope with something in mind. Hope because there is a promise to occur. Hope because there is something that is promised. And so as we celebrate the Advent season this morning, I'm calling us to wait and watch expectantly. Advent season is the time of the year where individuals will decorate their homes and the or, all the ornaments will come out. And people will do their decoration of their trees and they'll have the garlands and all these things in their homes decorating, saying a season of celebration is here. But for us as believers, not only do we celebrate our home, um, decorate our homes, but what we do, we prepare our hearts and our minds and our soul and we focus on the birth of Jesus and we focus on the return of the, the, of the Christ. There are four themes that we celebrate in the Advent season and they are hope, they are joy, they are peace and they are love. And this week we want to kick off our Advent season celebration by looking at hope. So what is hope? According to the Oxford Dictionary, hope is the feelings of expectation from having a desire for a particular thing to happen. Merriam-Webster's dictionary says it is a cherish, it is to cherish a desire with anticipation. So Oxford Dictionary says it's a desire, it's a feeling that for something to happen and you expect it to happen. And Merriam-Webster says you cherish the desire with anticipation. However, biblical hope is not believing for what you can see. Romans 8, 24 to 25 tells us that the hope which is seen is not hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and composure. 
So we realize for hope to occur, there is an attitude that is required. Hope is more than having a desire, because I have desires for many things. That does not mean that I'm hoping for it. I have desire for many things. That does not mean that the Lord had promised it to me. Hope is a desire for, it is more than a desire or a feeling or a wishful thinking. Actually, it is not a wishy-washy, false optimism. You know, sometimes we believe and we hope for things and it's all optimistic view. It's not an optimistic, optimistic view that you and I display when we say we believe. But when the, the expectation or the desire is unmet or seems slow in re being realized, we become disappointed and discouraged. True biblical hope is the anticipation and confident expectation in God for what he has promised. So biblical hope cannot occur without Christ and his promise. So I cannot say because I am hoping for something is going to happen. Biblical hope says I cannot have hope without tr trust and faith in the only one who has the ability to do that which he promised, and that's God. When you and I hope, our hope should only be based on what God has promised. So what has God promised? Or what are you hoping for that God did not promise? When God promises, we have the certainty that what God says he will do, he will do, even though we cannot see it or if it lingers in time. Hope is exercised when we are patiently awaiting the manifestation of God's promise. But not only do we patiently await, but it calls us to envision. It calls us to envision the outcome with the same confidence and certainty in a faithful God who will do what he has promised. So hope says you must patiently wait and you must be confident that what you're waiting for will occur because the one who promised it to you is faithful. Hope without God's promise leads to disappointment. As Christians, we are expected to eagerly yet patiently anticipate and expect God to do what he has promised. But having the right attitude while waiting demonstrates that I truly trust God. So I can't be waiting or I shouldn't be waiting and in my mind, because for everything that we are waiting for, we have a prescribed time. Because I know what, when I need my, my things or my desires or my promises to be fulfilled. But God knows. Habakkuk 2, 2-3 tells us that the revelation of God awaits an appointed time. And it will be fulfilled even though it seems slow in coming. Even though, though it seems that if it is lingering... Abakak says to us, it will occur and it will occur at a certain time and a certain place and it will not be delayed because the God who promised is faithful. The text that we're looking at this morning, Psalms 123, I want you to find it with me. 
And let me, I'm going to read it from the NLT version, and I'm also going to look at it from the Amplified and the NIV version. It's only four verses, so it's very short. The psalmist, which is unknown, some think it is Ezekiah, some think it is Nehemiah. It says, I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master. As a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. For we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. The psalmist this morning, Psalm 123 is a lament psalm that is based upon hope and trust in, a, in God. It is a plea to God for divine help in the face of scorn and being ridiculed and it demonstrates the need for patience while waiting for God's mercy and favor. It, psalm 123 is known as, is one of the special psalms known as the, song, the psalm of, the song of ascent or the pilgrim song. It is, it is the time when the, the, in the ancient Israelites used to go up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And as they, they started going upward, they used to go for these festivals, the yearly festivals. And as they go upward, they start to sing these songs. They sing these songs that express their faith in their God, Yahweh. And these songs suggest that they have hope in the Lord because he is on the throne. And so Psalm 123 says, when they sing, sang these songs, they say, Lord, we have hope in you because you are the one enthroned. We have hope in you because you are the one who sits and you are the one who gives favor. And you are the one who gives mercy. You are enthroned, God, because we hope in you as a servant hope in his master as a female slave look to her mistress so we hope in you we hope in you lord and we will not lose hope in you and as they go up and as they sang these songs they were expressing to god and to others and to those who were listening that yahweh is the one in whom we trust yahweh is the one in whom we put our hope and so this morning, I want us to look at my first point, having read Psalm 123, which comes from verse 1. We hope in the Lord because he is a king on his throne. He's not the king on anybody else's throne. He's not a king. He is the king that reigns. And seated on the throne speaks of the power and the authority in which he operates. He doesn't have to go out and worry, sit because he has already accomplished everything that needs to be done. Waiting for the set, set time for it to happen. And so we hope, we hope because God has already done it. And we are just waiting for the manifestation. We are just waiting for that fulfillment to happen. Because if he's seated, it means that his job is already done. He's not out there fighting wars and battles. He, it is done. He's seated knowing that the battle is already won. 
And so in verse 1, the psalmist says, I lift, my, I lift up my eyes to you. To lift up one's eye or eyes is to look in hope. The psalmist testifies of his trust in God for everything. He has gone beyond the intention. So he could have said, I will lift, which would be an intention. But instead he said, I lift up, which speaks to an action already done. And when he lifts his eyes to God, he's saying, I have put my hope in the one who's already seated. I put my hope in the one who reigns. I put my hope in the one who is enthroned, the one who has all the resources to help me in the time of need. The one who knows me better than myself. The one who knows my need. The one who knows what I will need. The one who knows how I need to be comforted. The one who knows my, my every daily need. There is a big difference between intending to trust and intending to hope than hoping and trusting. Many times we intend to hope. Many times we intend to trust in God. But the psalmist is saying, I lift. I have already done it and I continue to do it. Uplifted eyes begins with a heart that fixes its desires, its hope, its confidence and expectation on no one else or anything else but the Lord who reigns. And to fix our desire and our hope is to Hold it loosely that if God changes it, it's okay. To fix our heart and our minds on the things and, and on Christ is to say, God, I, I am at the place that I hope in you. I am confident that you will do it. But even if my desire is contrary to what you want to do, I will still hope in you. The psalmist recognizes that there is no one higher to look to other than the Lord. And he's confident that God will act on his behalf. The psalmist recognized that there is no person, no thing that I can go to who can fix my need, who can respond in favor and mercy the way my God can. There is no one higher than he. And so he said, I lift mine eyes, if not a one-off, thing. It is continuous. It's a continuous process of keeping his eyes on God. He doesn't occasionally glance. He doesn't periodically hope. He does not shift his hope or his gaze from God when it is convenient or inconvenient. But he confident, confidently, patiently and expectantly fixes hope, fixes eyes, and the Lord waiting and watching for the fulfillment of the one who has already done it. God has already promised. And whatever he has already promised, he has already done. And so the psalmist says, I fix my eyes waiting, watching for the fulfillment of what God has promised. Have you shifted your hope or are you like the psalmist this morning with your eyes fixed 
hoping and trusting God for what he has promised. Even though in the natural you do not see it or you do not understand how it can happen. Last week, I got a call from, actually it was a call and a text. I saw a missed call and a, mixed, and a text on my phone where they were trying to reach me. And so when I got, I actually when I saw it, it was like about an hour later and I responded by calling, call, well, actually responding to the text and someone called and they were saying to me, something happened on, on, on the prior line and I wasn't there and they wanted me to hear what the Lord was saying. And I, when I heard it, I, I, I rejoiced, but I further rejoiced when I recognized what was happening. The call was that there, someone was praying and they felt like the Lord was saying they need to collect money and send to someone who was in need. And so they collected the money and so I called the person and I said to them, I heard they called me this morning, I got a call this morning saying that persons felt like the Lord was saying that they should collect money and send to you because you are in need. And the person looked to me and the person said, you know what, that was definitely God. She said, you know what, I said to God the night before, I said, God, you are not hearing me. I have prayed so many prayers and you have not responded. You are not hearing me. And she was crying out to God for a need. She had a need. She had bills she needed to pay. And she was crying out to God and she was saying, God, I am asking you for, for, for you to pay these bills, but you're not hearing me. And only to see a day later, Someone coming and saying, we sense the Lord saying that we need to come together and supply a need. And so we recognize in a situation like that, the person's hope was fulfilled because God has already done it. He did it before they were praying. He did it long before they were saying, God, you're not hearing me. And they were about to lose hope and take their eyes off Christ. She was about to give up and to say, God, you have not heard me. And here God was saying to other people in a different, a different state altogether, saying, I have heard the cry of my daughter and I have come so that you can fulfill that need. Through you I can fulfill that need. Lamentation 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. So the Lord is saying that when you hope in me, I am good to you. When you seek me, I am good to you. In the same way, you and I must look to God with confident expectation. Your bills are overdue. Like the psalmist, lift your eyes. You're feeling discouraged this morning because something not happening the way you wanted it to have happened or actually you're disappointed in terms of your life or how your life is going. Look to God. Lift your eyes like the psalmist. You have issues in your family, sickness, disunity, quarrel, different things going on. 
Lift your eyes like the psalmist. You have your marriage is failing. Lift your eyes like the psalmist. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, whether it be a health issue or, a, or an emotional issue, the psalmist is encouraging us to lift our eyes to the one who is enthroned. Lift our eyes to the one who is king. Because until we look, until we keep our eyes on him, we will never understand what he intends to fulfill. And so we keep looking. So there's an act, so the, the, the psalmist says, I lift mine eyes, which I said before was a continuous process. So he keeps looking, and he's, he keeps on looking because he's expecting something. We keep looking until the promise is fulfilled. Because when we keep looking and hoping, we take our eyes off our circumstances and off ourselves and we keep it on the one to whom we are looking. The second point this morning is we hope in the Lord as a servant looks to his master. In verse 2, the language of the psalmist changes from a I lift my eyes to our eyes look to the Lord. So initially the psalmist was the only one saying, God, I am hoping in you. But the community of believers, the community of the Israelites joined in and they too were saying, Lord, we are looking to you for favor. We are looking to you for mercy. The community is likened to slaves looking to the hand of their master and the female slaves looking to the hand of our mistress. I thought, when I looked at it, I thought about downtown Abbey. And I thought about these servants coming in and standing in the room with their hands behind them, waiting for their servant, waiting for their masters to gesture, to say that there is a need. I think of a waiter standing with his arms behind him, so attentive, fixing his eyes and his devotion to watching the slightest movement of his master's hand because he's ready to carry out his master's will and he's ready to obey. Time is of no essence to him. So if, the, if his master wants to dine for three hours, he has no problem. If the master wants to dine for five hours, he's in no rush. Because time is not a problem. Because he's patient. He's never impatient or bored. He's waiting because he finds pleasure in serving and waiting on his master. And I thought about Downton Abbey when the king came over. And the, and the servants from the home wanted to serve the king. And they, and they did all the scheming that they could because they found pleasure in serving and waiting on their master. Their only desire is to serve their master and to serve him well. Because from their master they know come the provision of mercy and favor that they need. As believers, we need to be that servant. We need to have an attitude that reflects 
that we are servant of the king. We need to have that attitude that says, God, time is of no essence. We will wait because our pleasure is waiting. We find pleasure in waiting and watching out for you. But when we become discouraged, when we give in to discouragement and disappointment, it's because we are saying to you, God, waiting on you does not give us pleasure. It is more about you fulfilling our needs than for us waiting and watching out for you. The servants waited. And you could, you, when you watch that movie, you can see the joy on their faces when they wait and they watch. Because they find it a privilege to wait and to serve their master. It is a privilege, but for us as believers, it's the same mindset that we need to have. Philippians 2, 78 says, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as servants of God, our focus should be on him as we patiently wait, watching for his timing, keeping our eyes fixed and anticipating his movement. We must not depend on him for all things. We, we must, sorry, we must depend on him for all things. And we must confidently expect him to come. Because if you're expecting him to come, you don't have any time of being discouraged. Because you're watching and you're waiting and you know he's coming because you know he's faithful. Even though it seems slow in coming, we must not be distracted. We must not be distracted by the wait because God, the God who you and I know, whatever he promises, he will do. We must keep trusting. We must keep looking. We must keep our eyes fixed. We must continue to hope until God responds. We can't walk away and say, okay, God promised and I've waited long enough. And I know in my life there are things that I thought would have been going differently. And I know there are times I want to walk away. But God who is faithful, I keep saying to him even this morning, I said, God, you are faithful, and because you are faithful, I'm going to hang on one more day. And if tomorrow I hang on one more day, and I keep my hope on him, and I fix my gaze on him, and I find pleasure knowing that my God is faithful, and I know he will come. I know he will fulfill what he has promised. I know that the thing that he promised me, he will do it. He will give it to me. And if I believe that I believe that I believe that God is faithful and trustworthy, I will wait. I lose hope when I doubt his ability. I lose hope when I put my mind on me and my circumstances override the, the vastness and the faithfulness of God. It's a privilege to serve him and wait. It's a privilege 
to stand with my hands, because a hand behind is a hand at ease. A hand with your hand behind you. If it, I remember when I was a Girl Scout, and they would say to you, at ease, and you stood with your hands behind you. Meant that you were relaxed because everything was okay. Everything was copacetic. Everything was fine. And that is what the servant of God is required to do. Stand at ease and watch your God put the things in place. Watch the days come and, and connect to the day of his fulfillment. My third point this morning is we hope in the Lord, never losing hope. The community has been waiting and watching for God to send his mercy. And we see in verse 3 where they cry, verse 3 says, Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt. We have endured no end of, of ridicule from the arrogant. We have endured no end of ridicule and contempt from the arrogant and the proud. And so we recognize that the psalmist and the community, they have been crying out over and over. They did not cry out once. They said, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. They, they, they cried out and they said, Lord, we are waiting. We are trusting you for our deliverance, even though the arrogant and the proud, who have no regards for you, are ridiculing us and are scorning us. Despite their desperation, the community decided that we will humble ourselves and we will continue to trust in God, never giving up, never losing hope. They kept their eyes on God, waiting and watching. But not only did they wait and watch, they expected, they confidently expected that God's mercy and favor would come. Because they know that if their God sees and cares about their suffering, he would come in and he would deliver. And so you and I have found ourselves in situations for days and for weeks and for years waiting and we're crying out, How long, Lord? How long before you deliver me? How long, Lord, before you change my situation? How long, Lord? Before you move me from where I am and take me to the next place. How long, Lord, before my health is restored? How long, Lord, before my children's eyes are open to see you? How long, Lord, before my bills are paid? And like the community, many of us have cried out to the Lord over and over. And it seems as if he's not listening or he does not care. You pray for mercy, but instead you receive pain and you receive sorrow. Although it seems as if God does not hear you when you call, Isaiah 41, tell, 10 says, God tells his people, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God hears your cries. 
He cares about your struggles and he knows how much you are able to withstand. In Deuteronomy 3 verse 22 he says, Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Psalm 71 5 says, For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord. David says, From birth I have relied on you. And every day I lift you up more and more, God. By myself I don't know what to do. You are my confidence, O sovereign Lord. You, have, you are my hope. I do not know what to do. All I know is to hope and to trust in you. Psalms 76 says, May your unfailing love, God, be my comfort. When I am lonely, when I am when afraid, when I need counsel, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to the promises that you have made to your servant. So we recognize God's promises are so important. And it's in reading the word over and over and over that we get a chance to see the promises that God makes, makes to us. Micah 7, 7 says, But as for me, I will watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. So Micah recognized that he needs to wait. He needs to watch. He needs to wait and watch for his Savior who he knows will come. In Isaiah 57, 15, we are told that God lives in a high and holy place. But he also lives with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. And he comes to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. Psalm 34, 18 says, tells us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So this morning, if you are brokenhearted and your spirit is crushed and you need to be revived and strengthened, Psalm David is saying to us, God is close to you, even though he feeds as he feeds afar off. Psalm 34, 4, David tells us that when he sought the Lord... The Lord answered him and he delivered him from fear. The Lord heard him and the Lord delivered him. Not only did he hear him, he answered and he delivered. So we recognize that hope is not static. Hope is dynamic because it is active. It is an active change that we make when we hope in God. When we hope in God, we actively change how we see him. Because we then say to him, God, if all my hope I put, if I put all my hope in you, I'm saying to you, Lord, that there is no one higher. There is no one who can do it but you. If I actively put my hope in God, I'm actually saying, God, you are my answer. You are my solution. Putting our hope in God actively changes how I see myself. It changes how I see others. It changes how I see my circumstances. And it changes how I live my life on earth. 
Let us continue to hope in the Lord because he's king. And he's not only a king without their fighting, he's a king who is already seated, having fought all the battles that we need. Let us continue to look to the Lord as a servant looks to his master, recognizing that we are privileged and it should be a pleasure to serve our king. Lord, and let us continue to hope, never giving up, because he who promised to look after us is faithful. As you prepare your hearts, your minds, and your soul for this Advent season, looking forward to celebrating Jesus' birth and celebration and anticipating his return, may the God of hope fill you today with joy. May the God of hope fill you with peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope cause you to overflow with joy and with hope and with peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the hope of Christ influence us in the way we live. Let the hope of Christ cause us to devote our eyes and fix our eyes and our attention, waiting and watching and waiting in expectation for the king we then throned. Let us fix our eyes this morning, believing, trusting, hoping, having faith that he who promised is faithful. And so like the psalmist this morning, I ask you to lift your eyes. Lift your eyes above your circumstances. Lift your eyes above all the things in your life that has failed and is failing. Lift your eyes above your disappointments. Lift your eyes above the unmet desires and needs. And lift your eyes to the one who is able. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He says, if, 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 if our earthly father knows how to give to his children who ask for bread, how much more does he, the father of all fathers, know how to be a provider for his children? He knows what you need. He knows my needs. He knows my every thoughts. He knows the secret prayers that you pray. He knows and he says, and he's here to catch you when you fall. He knows my needs. He knows my every thought. He knows the secret tears that you cry. When you're saying, God, how long? And as I'm reminded of, of, of that call, and, and the person was saying, how long, Lord? I have prayed and you have not responded. I have prayed and it seemed as if you do not care. How long, Lord? I can encourage you this morning from Psalms 123. 
that the psalmist did not walk away although they were being scorned and ridiculed. The psalmist did not walk away from God and, and become dejected because the Lord did not respond in his appointed time. But he kept hoping. He kept trusting. He kept watching and he kept waiting, but he was waiting. He had an expectation that God would confidently fulfill. He had the confidence that God will fulfill and meet the need of his community. How long, Lord, some of us are saying this morning. How long? How long, God, before you change my life? How long, Lord, before you remove me from my situation? How long, Lord, before my body is healed? How long, Lord, before my debts are canceled or paid? How long, Lord, before you provide me with a new job? How long, Lord, before you provide me with a spouse? How long, Lord, before the salvation comes to my household? How long, Lord? But this morning, even as you're saying, how long, Lord, I ask you to lift your eyes this morning and place it on the one who provides all your needs, who knows all your sorrows, who comes and is attentive to fulfill all your needs is devoted to you. And so this morning, I am mindful that there are some who may only be concerned about decorating their homes because that's all you knew. You know that this is a season of decorating your homes and putting up your trees and lighting and turning on your lights. You know that this is something that you have practiced for years. Or maybe it's a new habit you're taking up. But I want to tell you this morning, not only do we look to celebrate the birth of Christ, but we recognize that there is a king who is enthroned who is coming back. And when he comes back, he's not coming back like a lamb. He's not coming back to be crucified. He's not coming to sacrifice himself anymore. Because he has done all of that for you and I. And he's saying, because relationship with the Father has been broken, because we are sinners who are in need of a Savior, he said, I have done all of that for you. But this morning, I invite you to come and to know him. Come so that when you prepare your home this, this season, you'll also prepare your hearts and your minds and your souls. Because he's coming back. And for believers this morning, I'm saying to you, do not take your eyes off him. Do not take your eyes off him because you are disappointed. Because it seems long and it tarries. The, 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 the promise tarries. The revelation that you have received tarries and it looks as if it's not going to happen. I'm saying to you this morning, do not take your eyes off the one who is enthroned. Because he sees and he understands. 
And he's coming. He says, I'm coming. There's a day, there's a time for the fulfillment. But you must wait and watch. You must wait expecting me to come, turn, come up. You must be confident in my ability, says God. And so we wait this morning. We wait watching like the watchman looking out. Looking out to see something happening. We wait like the servant who waiting for a gesture from his, from, from his master to say, pass me a butter, pass me another glass, pass me this. He waits anticipating that there's a need that my master may have. And I want to be alert. I want to be fixed, Mike, to fix my gaze on him. I want to show him how devoted I am that I will wait on him because time is of no essence. Oh God. That's what the servant says, God. Time is of no essence. Because I find so much pleasure in waiting on you, God. God, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, God. Oh, God, time is of no essence. Because if you have promised, Lord, it shall be done. It will be done. So, Lord, as I prepare my heart this season, I prepare my heart to wait. I prepare my heart to watch. Thank you, Father. Hey, God. Mm. for even though it seems as if it won't happen I am lifting my eyes God even though it seems long even though I don't know how it would work God because it seems impossible I am lifting my eyes this morning God I lift my eyes this morning He hears me. He hears you when you call. He knows your need. He knows your need. He knows your every thought. He knows your every desire. He knows your every longing. He knows. And he promises that I'll be there. He promises that I'll fulfill your needs. He hears you. He hears you the moment. He said, before you present your request, I heard you. I have answered you. And I'm waiting for the day for the fulfillment of my promise to you. But you must wait and watch. You must wait and watch with the right attitude. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. He knows. He knows your needs. And so this morning as you listen 
I pray that you will this morning commit to lifting your eyes off your circumstances. To lift your eyes off yourself. To lift your eyes off your finances. To lift your eyes off your children and your family issues and your marriage and your health. And you will lift your eyes and look to the Holy One, the enthroned One, the Lord, the Savior, the One who comes, the One is returning. And so may God bless you this week. May His face shine on you this week. May he be gracious to you this week as you continue to hope in him, as you continue to trust him.